this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com. <laughs> Someone's getting a call. Whoops. Sorry, boys. <laughs> well, with that, I think we need to do some introductions. Yeah, let's just go right to the introductions. Um, who's, uh, who's got the ringing phone? Who was that? Was that our, our friend Johnny up north? Uh, potentially. <laughs> Welcome back, Johnny Hooper. I'm so sorry about that, but it's great to be here. No, that's, that's excellent. You, like, you planned that, didn't you? You, like, hit, hit a button so you would call yourself and then kickstart the whole yeah. introduction so we didn't get into this five minutes it's like, later. It's I like, like cutting to, in I line. I like to make myself sound important. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's making deals right now. He's making oh, deals, man. right? Um, this is what your third appearance. Uh, we are now on number. Yeah, that's right. Third appearance. Excellent. Get the three timers no, jacket. Excuse me, fourth. Fourth. Yes. You get the four timers uh, butt belt, belt buckle. That's I'm nice. waiting for it. There you go. Uh, joining us from White Plains, New York. Marissa, Marissa, I don't know your last name. You don't have you Box don't bomb. Box <laughs> it's bomb. a mouthful, so don't worry about it. I like when there's people on on Patreon. Which, by the way, everyone who's joining us is a patron. There's some people that only list one name, like Madonna <clears throat> or Prince. Marissa's one of those people. That's that's it's very it's it's there's like a mystery. So <laughs> thank you for uh, getting rid of the mystery. Welcome. This is your first time. Yes, it you. is. Definitely. Um, I am the resident uh, one-hit wonder band, two-hit wonder band stan amongst your <laughs> listeners, I would think. So happy to represent one of them. Awesome. That's important because there were a lot of one-hit wonders in the 90s. Oh, so many. Um, and then also joining us for, I don't know, the umpteenth time, Mr. Stephen Mujinski. From the very warm, I'm sure, San Diego, California. Absolutely. Of course. Of it's a course. beautiful Sunday out here. I'm actually in L.A. tonight, though. I'm going to see Dive. Oh. Well, that's cool. Just. But it, was a gr- it was a great day for a drive, I'll tell you that. Just heading on down the PCH or the, whatever that's called. The, the, what is the, what's that road along the mountains or the cliffs of... Yeah, that's the PCH. You got it right. Oh, okay. Good. I know no, my I stuff. No, I took the five. Oh, you took the five. I feel like this is turning into an episode of the Californians. Like, <laughs> I took the five. <laughs> okay. So this episode, which has not been introduced yet, is about reviews from 2019 about bands who are relevant to the 90s. So we're not just reviewing any artist or band. They have to have some connection to the 90s. It could either be the band is still going, or the artist is still going, or they could. it could be a new project. It could be 
whatever. It could be something that was originally recorded in the 90s and never got released and then finally came out in 2019. All sorts of possibilities, but just has to have some sort of connection to the 1990s. We did this once before. We're doing it a little bit differently this time. So it was more of a roundtable discussion as opposed to Jay and I scheduling five-minute interviews with 25 different people, which was a, a, a bit of a chore last time. So we thought we'd throw it out there for people to comment on Patreon, and we're going to read their comments here as well as talk about uh, what people uh, wanted to share with us in terms of their um, picks. So... Without further ado, Jay. Yes. Uh, what do you want to start? You want to go with? Uh... Well, because I think Johnny jumped in line, we have to make him last. So why don't we start with Marissa? Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> Somebody's got to keep the rules here. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa, since you are a rookie to this podcast uh why don't you tell us the uh the artist and give us a little uh review of of their record sure um so the artist is fastball i am a huge fastball fan and have been for um the majority of my life since i was 10 or 11 years old um i was i was a kid who bought all the pain money can buy with my allowance money um <laughs> And went and picked it out in an HMV and have been in love ever since. So um, this record that they released back in October um, is it's it's definitely different from the preceding releases. It's it's for a power pop band or a power poppy ish band. It's being atmospheric in a way that uh, really sets it apart. Um, it's also much more of a Miles-heavy record, and for the not-fastball buffs who are listening, Miles is half the songwriting pair of the band, along with Tony Scalzo. Uh, that's Miles Zuniga. And recent albums have been a more even split between the two of them, or at least it's felt that way. And even though they're both pretty uh, irreverent songwriters, I think Tony has a real purity of pop sensibility at his core, whereas Miles has got this kind of serrated edge to him and or what sort of strikes me as a wanderlust, and it really comes out in this record. So is Miles it, the one who sings The Way? Um, no, that's Tony, actually. Oh, okay. the, the, the smash hit The Way was Tony's uh, composition. Gotcha. Um, so, and yeah, that that is a pretty dark single. Certainly the subject matter is kind of um, morbid. It's about, you know, these this elderly couple who packed up their belongings and drove off and never returned. But typically Tony's sort of the more, um, I don't want to say saccharine because that's reductive. He's the more um, sort of classic in his approach to pop songwriting. And um, Miles is a little edgier. And this, because of his, I think he wrote probably six or seven out of the 11 songs on the record. It's their most existential album by far, and it touches on subjects like cosmic redemption, good versus evil, mortality, uh, nostalgia and aimlessness, and choosing to live an authentic life or not choosing to live an authentic life. So it, it, it takes sort of a 
darker cast, a more searching and spiritual cast than anything that they've done prior to this point. Interesting. Who's making all that noise? I think it's Steven. I'm no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, I checked out the album. I, I just sampled it um, during the week because there was a lot of stuff to sample to get ready for this. Um, and I liked what I heard. It was very melodic and I, I wasn't expecting a, you know, smash single like the way that the, the way that the way is. Um, although in, in, in revisiting them, it also reminded me of like how weird that song is. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely um, a weird song and, Clever, I think, is the word that comes to mind when describing uh, that song and and just generally what it is that they do as a band and their approach to making music. They're they're simultaneously too traditional and too wacky to have fit neatly into any of the genres that were popular during their heyday. So, you know, they weren't post-grunge. They weren't glossy pop stars. Uh, Alternative rock even seems to be a little... I guess myopic and and they had this album skyrocket to platinum during one of the weirdest transitional junctures in the industry but when all was said and done uh they just kept at it they kept doing the work they're they're very craft oriented and I admire their dedication and you know their incredible grace to have this huge hit is uh, and you know technically there were two hits there was the way and out of my head but when you have a success like that, you feel sort of, or at least I imagine you have to feel like you're doomed to live in its shadow for the rest of your career. And they really are this incredible workhorse band whose entire output after the fact has been worthy of dedicated listening. And, you know, I, I sometimes feel like I'm in on rock and roll's best kept secret. Sunshine overdose, body looks good, but your brain is cold. Driving up and down the Pacific coast The Grand Wizard of the Weedy Rose Sunset of Beverly Drive Bees don't fly too far from the hive Get ten years but you'll only survive Get religion and say you're sorry Yeah, I have to admit that they fell off my radar, but for some reason, this album did pop back in, and I remember giving it a listen when it came out, and um, I dug it. And uh, I, they were, even those hits at the time, there was a, seemed to be, you know, uh, just a deluge of one-hit wonders at the time, and I just always thought those songs stood out as being something a little bit different and authentic about them, so... Um, I had no idea they were the, they were as active as they've been since that point until now. Yeah, I, I mean, they had a bit of a, a sleeper period in between the years of 2009 and 2017 when there was very little activity. But recently they've been convening again to record and to release and to tour. And uh, I, I really cannot overstate also how great they are as a live band. Granted, I, I go to a lot of live shows. I'm very invested in the live music scene. But they're great on record. They are just as compelling in a club. And I've, I've got to say, I kind of love their outsider status. 
um, selfish. They deserve to be the biggest <laughs> rock and roll group in the world. And for, you know, a fine spring season in 1998, they may have been, you know, but uh, I love that I can see them in a, in a club in Greenwich Village with 100 people in a room. And uh, I live in Austin. I had no idea they were an Austin band. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Them and Spoon. And who else is from Austin? Who can we name that's like amongst those? I knew Spoon was. Alejandro, um, is Alejandro Escovedo, uh, is it, I don't think he's from Austin, but he's certainly Austin. Is he Austin based? I can't remember. Uh, I Jesus know, Lizard originally. The Black Angels. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So great fertile music scene. I actually flew down there to see the re-release uh, show for All the Pain Money Can Buy. The album was, I, I don't know if it was just remixed or remastered, but whatever they did with it, I always thought it sounded like a really great balanced album when it originally came out, but they worked wonders on it uh, for the re-release, the, the anniversary edition. Cool. I, I remember when that came out. I remember when they did their re-release. Was that a Pledge Music thing? It it was, and I feel obligated to mention that they were one of the bands that was impacted financially by the Pledge Music yeah. insolvency. So they, they um, thankfully managed to dig themselves out of that hole. However, whatever you can do to support... A, a touring band these days, rock and roll has just shrunk into the mainstream, particularly nineties rock or shrunk out of the mainstream really onto the sidelines. They still uh, are, are putting out great music. And I really hope that people will buy this album, buy their more recent records and go out and see them while they're on tour. They're playing a ton of dates in 2020. So you can just go on their website and see when they're going to come near you. Cool. Excellent. Well, let's get to, I just want to mention a couple of comments from our Patreons page, and then we'll get to our next uh, live review. Uh, Chris Martz said, New Rising Suns said it right. He said it was recorded in the 90s, but was stuck in lum label limbo until this year. Um, anybody check out New Rising Suns or know what they're about? Uh, I just dropped it in my to-do list. It sounds like um, um, maybe Power Pop. Had a quick listen. Oh, okay. And then Matt... I believe that there's ties to uh, Texas is the Reason. Oh, that's right. Yes, it's the guy from Texas is the Reason. It's his band after that. Yeah. That's right. I remember seeing something about that. Okay. And then Matt Gorey said, Life of Agony, The Sound of Scars. This was a continuation of their 1993 album, River Runs Red. I uh, would love to hear what you guys think. Anybody familiar with Life of Agony? Um, I, I am, and I, not my cup of tea. Not your cup of tea. Okay. Uh, okay, Stephen, what is your cup of tea for 2019? Let's talk about that Giants chair record. Uh, Jay, was it you that commented? Yeah. I posted that? Yeah, that is a band that I had never heard of. They came across my, you know, Discovery playlist on, I think, Apple Music. And listened to the new record and thought, wow, this is great. Who the heck is this band? And realized that they actually went back to the 90s. So uh, tell us yeah, the story. Yeah, they, they were a little-known little band out of Kansas City. I discovered them both from a zine as well as the fact that Caven covered one of their songs on an EP called Tides of Tomorrow. And 
I've I've always been a fan. Uh, I got into them way after they were active. Uh, so you know, just picked up CDs in the used bin and whatnot. Um, and and I've dabbled them over the years, and I've always enjoyed it. Um, and then I saw that they were playing reunion shows, but I didn't I didn't think that they would do a record. And and then boom, there it was. Um, and I think Jay, the reason that the songs disappeared is because they were just originally going to self-release it. Um, and they started doing like a pre-order thing and they just, they were pretty much giving, giving the digital files away to anyone who pre-ordered it and they threw them up on the streaming service, but then they struck up a deal with, um, a label called Spartan and, uh, did a formal release for it. Uh, Uh, so when they struck up the deal, they, they took down the MP3s, um, you know, to try to build up some momentum for the release, but they're a very, very unknown band um that i think is very worthy of anyone's time and attention they have their they can be compared to probably bands like fugazi and jawbox um just a very angular guitar rock band that loves their weird time signatures and um, strange chord progressions um but i feel like their their new record you know, it's 23 years later, and I mean, it, it to me, it just sounds like an exact continuation of what they would have continued doing. Uh, the songwriting seems to be a little more streamlined without compromising any of their creativeness. Um, so I, I was just utterly impressed by it and continue to be uh, impressed by this thing. Yeah, I think it was the. Uh, it sounds like a more concise version of some of those bands you mentioned in just terms of like songwriting. It has a little bit of like a midwesterny kind of feel to it. Like I can hear some Shiner in there, oh, and definitely. you know that kind of take on um, the more angular. I, I don't hear like the the hardcore element of post-hardcore is more distant with this band, at least for me. It's more a little bit more polished, but. It's 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 really good record and it's one of those just completely came out of nowhere for me so fun surprise. I thought the single choices uh, that they chose were really good too. So if anyone's looking or interested to check out the record, um, two of the three singles they released, uh, I would recommend would be Kids Running and Russian Racehorse. It's back on streaming too, so easy to find. Yeah, it officially was released uh, one of, maybe this past Friday. What about some of the other albums that you mentioned? If you want to run through them, or bands that uh, you have listed, some thoughts on those? Uh, well, since I just referenced uh, Caven, we can talk a little bit about the new Caven release. Um, for those unfamiliar, um, it's it's not an actual proper studio album. Um, unfortunately, Caleb Schofield, their bass player, passed away uh, very suddenly and unexpectedly in a car crash. Um, 
sometime in the last two years mm-hmm. and the band the band has been very touch and go over the last 10 years they kind of they kind of just do what they want when they want um and but they were slowly working on a new album and uh you know he passed and so they were trying to decide what they wanted to do and um they ended up finishing as much of the material as they could um and kind of you know so it's it's a it's a hodgepodge of different recordings and and different production quality and value Mm. um but it it sure is an interesting look into the album that they would have made or, or could have made um and in a lot of ways, I, I find it to be a very sad album. I mean, it opens up with a track that's just an acoustic guitar. And then Caleb is kind of like humming uh, a melody that he hears to, to work with it. Um, and, and to me, I mean, it's just one of it's one of the saddest things uh, that you could ever hear. But it's also, you know, there's something about that 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 is beautiful too. The fact that they're allowing this material to be released and, and put out there. And and I'm pretty sure all of the proceeds are going to his family. I know they did two shows, one on the East coast and one on the West coast, um, where all the proceeds went to his family and his brother even played bass, um, for a handful of the songs at each of those shows. So has anybody else listened to this thing? I had, I like Caven quite a bit. I had no idea this even came out. Yeah, me okay. neither. No clue. Yeah, um, so it's 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 definitely not something I would recommend to those unfamiliar with the band. Um, they certainly have other pieces of music that I I think are worthy of digesting. But for 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 those who are fans, I mean, I I think it's definitely worthwhile to to kind of get get in there and you know see what they were up to. Um, you also mentioned a a little band. Some people might have heard of this band. Um, I guess there was some hype about it. They're called Tool. Uh, <laughs> could you uh, any, anybody want to uh, chime in on this record? Uh, <laughs> I uh, I gave it a cursory listen, but I've been off the Tool train for since since the 90s. I I have not listened to it, but w- what I can glean from very passionate social media postings is that it is polarizing. Really? Huh. I sampled it. And I was like, yep, sounds like a tool record. <laughs> well, that's that's what all tools sounds like to me, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's... I think I'm in that camp then. What's polarizing about it, do you know? I I, I wish I knew. I, yeah. I think um yeah, it it's perhaps uh those who were expecting a more dramatic return from the band were let down by more of the same. But mm. then again, I see it all as a lot of the same. Yeah. Well, I'll say that. So they did two versions of the album. Can somebody shut up? The version that is streaming is an extended version. Uh, that has interludes and segues, and the CD version just has the meat and potatoes of the songs. However, every song is very, very lengthy. I believe there's like 
eight actual songs. Seven of them have vocals. One of them is an instrumental. Um, and, you know, I can't for the life of me figure out what the purpose of any of those interludes or segues serve. Uh, I've listened to the album both ways, with and without, and I definitely prefer without. If you just take the eight tracks and cut out the fat, like, I think it's Tool doing what Tool does very, very well. Definitely better than 10,000 Days. In my, um, but I think it's really, really good. And I think it's one of Maynard's best vocal performances as a whole, from the lyrics to the melodies to the effects that he experiments with. Um, it, for me, that it steals the show. Like, I think his performance is stellar musically yes it's 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 a lot of more of the same um they did not reinvent the wheel by any means with this but i think it's a really solid effort is it a really solid effort for having been 12 years that's debatable i think that might be where a lot of the backlash could be coming from like when you go that long and you build it up that much like you know and and also how do you, how do you find your footing again as a band when you've had a twelve year break? Part of the yeah, the the moment, yeah, you, you've lost your momentum. So yeah. trying to build that back up from scratch has got to be challenging. And I did notice the uh, one of the things that took away from a quick listen to it was musically, yeah, it sounded like what I would expect a Tool record to sound like. But vocally, I did notice some effects that seemed. Uh, new and novel and some things going on vocally that was a little bit different. So, Yeah, you so okay, cool. So you kind of hear that too. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Hooper. Oh, yes. It's your turn. Share with us your pick. My pick will be Stevedo's Act Surprised. It's their, uh, the record came out back in uh, May. And it's their second uh, kind of post-hiatus um, uh, effort. It's typical Sebado, uh, Lou Barlow from uh, Dinosaur Jr. Um, you know, his Sebado material tends to focus, uh, you know, it's he's the sensitive soul of the band. Um, it, it's more of the same of what you would have heard uh, late 90s uh, era Sebado. Uh, very much in keeping with those records, uh, far more accessible, um, 15 songs on here, uh, just very much in keeping with the kind of overall Acevedo, um, aesthetic, uh, Jason Lowenstein, who's the, I mean, they trade off being uh, lead vocalist and, um, guitar and bass. So, Typically, Lowenstein's material is the more unhinged and um, manic, and uh, Barlow handles, like I say, the sensitive uh, side of things. But this record is a bit more uh, in keeping. They're trying; they're it's it's more evenly balanced, uh, maybe than it had been in, in uh, years past. But uh, a very strong effort. It's great to be uh, Lou Barlow these days because if he's not doing great things with Sebado, he's doing it with Dinosaur Junior. So. Good to be Lou Barlow. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else check out that record? I haven't, and I, I, I'm a Dinosaur Junior fan, and I, I found it difficult to keep up with the stuff they're doing too. 
just there's so much stuff coming out and their ability to know that it's out and then <laughs> big time first find it and then make time to listen to it is so challenging yeah i understand one album i wanted to mention i don't know if anybody checked it out or not is the swerve driver album future ruins uh oh yeah it's their second reunion record they put out uh record back in i think 2015 when they first got back together maybe it was 2016 um which i liked and then and that was called um future ruins yeah well i'm trying to remember what the previous one was called (laughs) i can't remember but it's very much on par um, with that something record. about losing you. Yeah, uh, I wasn't born to lose. I was. You. I wasn't born to lose yeah, you. Yeah, yes. that's it. Um, I saw them live. They were really good live. Just a big sound from a four-piece band that you know. Adam Franklin's got like fifty-five pedals on stage. He's just making a ton did of you, noise. Did you Did you see him on the Failure Tour or on the the headliner they did? On the Failure Tour. Okay. Um, and you enjoy you enjoyed them, yep. That's interesting. I saw them on the Failure Tour as well as a small club show they did, and I hands down would take the small club show over the larger room. I saw them in L.A. It was a pretty big room, uh, and I gotta say, Failure just made them look like tiny. Oh well, as and, a yeah, for an opener, I mean, you know, Failure had like a light show and. They had a whole thing going on. I had seen them in a club previously for the previous record with like 50 people. And it was really That's... cool. I, however, forgot to bring my earplugs. And <laughs> I... Not went... a wise move with Swerve Driver. No. And I had to leave because I my ears were bleeding. <laughs> um, you know, as a... as a over Being over 40 and trying to deal with that is not... On a weekday, of all things, uh, was not uh, was not the smartest move on my part. So I no I thought I I was the material to me I thought I thought the material on this record was even stronger than on the previous record, um, and I thought that translated really well live. So I I really liked that record. Um, another one I wanted to mention from uh, your list, Stephen, was uh, the Ride record. Oh yeah, really good. What's the title of that one? There is no safe place. That's right. Or this this is not a safe place. Something like that. Yeah. This is not a safe place. I actually, you enjoyed it? I liked it more than the previous new record that they put out. So did I. I, I'm, I actually really like it. It might make my top ten list for the year. I think it might have made my top ten list for the year. Jay, you'll have to confirm that since you collected my list <laughs> for the year. I'm keeping it sealed. You got it sealed? Okay. <laughs> so you can't cheat. <laughs> Um, anybody else check out the ride record? Uh, I think I gave it a quick listen. It's in my to-do list too. It's long. It's, uh, I, I'm embarrassed. They're, they're, I like Swerve Driver a lot. I've seen them live a few times, and I love Ride. And I have just not kept up with the deluge of new albums. Well, we didn't know there. So was now they're be on my list. Fifty albums from '90s bands. So. It seemed like a yeah a big year. Like I I feel like there are way more releases from a lot of key bands than we've seen yeah. even last year.
one that you mentioned, Stephen, was the new Beck record. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, let's talk about that. Did you like that? No. No, I did not. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> this is the first uh, album he's put out in a really long time that I that I am just searching for things to like about it. I it from the way yes. that it's sequenced to the music to like him trying to like keep up with Tumblr rap and like I I, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. That's so disheartening to hear because I felt like colors just blew me out of the water. I was so shocked to love that album as much as I did. So it's a bummer that he's swung back in the other direction. Yeah. I, uh, I finally saw him for the first time uh, a few months ago. I've been a fan forever and I just had never gotten around to actually going to see him. And I was, I was blown away. It was an incredible show uh, and saw lightning was technically the first single from the album but it it preceded the other singles by quite a long time so i really wasn't sure if it was just like a leftover colors track or what um but when i found out that it was going to be on the new album i was like oh okay cool maybe he's just kind of continuing the pop direction of colors and i I feel like that song kind of stands out like a sore thumb a bit on the album it's kind of the only upbeat um, pop song and and then everything else is a little more downtrodden. I, yeah, I don't know. He's 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 charting some territory that I just don't know how I feel about. And I don't know much about Pharrell Williams, but I know he worked with Pharrell Williams um, on mm. on quite a bit of the album. So I don't know how much that is is playing a part in what we're hearing. Anybody else familiar with Pharrell Williams? Well, he was a part of Nerd. And he worked with he's worked with a number of artists. He produced Blurred Lines, the what's his name song, Robin. Robin Thick. Yeah, I was gonna say Robin Zander, and I know that was very wrong. <laughs> very, very, very different um, territory. <laughs> he had the big hit Happy. That was like all over the place. Okay. You know. Oh yeah, you ago. couldn't avoid that in 2015. And he did uh, Get Lucky with Daft Punk. Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah. He's been a Uber producer for a long time. Um, his production work you would know from, uh, like, Drop It Like a Tot from Snoop. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just full of Pharrell knowledge. Jesus. Nice. <laughs> Who knew? I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> really Please stepping stop. up there, Tim. Holy smokes. Um, let's uh, move on. I will say... <laughs> I was just gonna say it is studio number studio album number fourteen from Beck. Wow! And I mean, I think he's allowed a dud, right? Like, if this yeah, is yeah, he's dud, had some tremendous albums. So if yeah. this is his dud, then so be it. I mean, he came out of seemingly nowhere in twenty fourteen with Morning Phase and won a Grammy for it. Like that deep into his career, um, you know, he's he's an incredible artist and. I'm, I'm going to let him slide on this one. Yeah, that's true. 14 records. And who knows? Maybe it'll grow on me. I don't know. And he does perform on, I guess I can include this record, one of my favorite records of the year that I guess is 90s related. He's on the Echo in the Canyon soundtrack, with, which is mostly Jacob Dylan, but he sings 
at least two songs, um, which is all covers of Laurel Canyon bands from the late 60s. But uh, phenomenal record, and at least his performances on it, kind of don't think of him as much of a singer. Um, and he does the parts well, and the, the two of them uh, kind of complement each other in, in, a, in a really interesting way. So, yeah. It's funny that you say that. I don't think of him as much of a singer either, but he, he can sing. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He can belt it out. I, I'm a big fan of Midnight Vultures, and he's all over the falsetto on that thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Jay, what about you? What what picks do you have? Uh, well, the one I just mentioned, Echo in the Canyon, definitely check that out. Um, would never have thought I would like that record, but something about the way it came together, produced, it sounds great. Those songs, to me, um, just sound, they connect with me more in the cover versions for some reason. Um, so really enjoyed that a lot. The movie's pretty good, too. Um Probably my favorite record from a 90s-related act would be the Sheila Divine. Mm-hmm. Um, this just came out a couple weeks ago, um, and it's called Beginning of the End is Where We'll Start. It is so good. Um, I think, you know, New Parade was great, their first record, and the things in between have been spotty. Um, you know, I think at their best, which this record does, it kind of captures that that energy that's on the first record, um, melodically, it's sharp, like the first record, where I think some of the, the material in the middle gets a little meandering and a bit experimental, which they don't do well. Lyrically, it's fantastic. It, yeah. It just, it's almost a concept record. Like Coming, um, coming from you, the non-lyric guy. I, I know. Be, I don't know, because he uses... Um, he does this really interesting thing, I think, throughout the record, where he's using nostalgia and makes references to the nineties, but he's also very much talking about what's happening right now. Um, and finds clever ways to tie those things together throughout the record. Um, so for me, it just, the words were just super relevant, both, you know, looking in the past, but also where I'm at. So it just connected with me lyrically and just musically. I think it's probably, uh, Aaron's best songwriting. Um, it's again, sharp, it's clever, there's some variety here, um, but not to the point where it gets off script. You know, it still sounds like um, what he does in Sheila Devine. Um, so, yeah, still I can't see that raw power. This. It does. Yeah, yeah, he does the. He gets back to the scream, you know, and kind of lets his voice break. Um, but he also does some stuff. You know, he shows some more depth, like a little bit of crooning and the sadder songs, or he really pulls off well. Um, I was blown away. I did not anticipate. I knew they were working on a record. I just did not anticipate it to be as good as it is. And um, there's even some notes of it where, I, you know, he's almost kind of like in the album title says it is like just kind of coming to grips with like, well, maybe this is the end. Like, how much longer am I going to do this? And what does it all mean? And, you know, I think for the any yeah. of us who have, you know, done music for a while, either performed or, you know, talked about it or, you know, gone out the shows like it's been part of your life you know it it definitely hit uh hit some notes there with me and and i know uh other folks i know who are you know in bands and stuff so it's uh it's pretty spectacular record and um i got the vinyl looking forward to getting that in a couple days
What about the, uh, I'm sorry, the, the new parade vinyl. Did any of you guys get the order that? I did. Tim. Yeah. It it's, it's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. They, they did a great job on the packaging. Well worth every dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super happy. I, I posted about it actually yesterday because I was so enamored with how they did. It's sort of like a box set kind of feel. It's not a slip case where or not a it's not a gatefold it's like this actual like box and the and the record slides in and you see the 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 new parade picture but if you pull it out the second record is like a zoom in of there's it's like a pier is what that is on the new parade cover and then the the second record which is b-sides and an ep that came up before the album it zooms in on that picture so it looks like a a new album cover it's really Hmm. nice the way that they did it and they included on the um inside sleeve uh inside jacket there are pictures from that era so and i know back in the summer or spring aaron was like hey if anybody has pictures from you know shield divine circa 2000 let me know and i was bugging some of the people that we went to shows with and and who actually are some of our friends opened for shield divine when they were in columbus and i was like hey do you guys have any pictures (laughs) you could you can be in the record and uh, unfortunately, nobody did because nobody had cell phone cameras back then. Yeah. So you had to actually carry a camera and d- get film developed. So now there'd be a billion pictures. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that is a great record. Absolutely great record. Um, a couple others that I had were uh, that I was blown away by that, again, you know, pretty significant bands from the era. Uh, one is Big Rack. You know, they've been plugging away the last couple since 2012, putting out records, and they've been good. But this one is, um, I think, significant because they t- they're able to take a step forward, but still very much um, in the, in what they are. Like, they're still big rack, but they get into this territory now where there's a couple songs in here where, like, the riffs are almost ZZ Top-esque, like Texas Southern bluesy kind of thing um but they still got that you know john bonham ass drums and um you know he sings great as ever and the guitar work i think is really what to me is the leap forward in that they've always been a phenomenal guitar band but there's just stuff that's on this record where it's almost when you break it down it's you know um virtuoso like guitar playing but in the context of what they do you, it doesn't come off that way you know what I mean? it's not like you listen to a steve i record or something where it's just <laughs> you know it's guitar for the sake of guitar um but you know if you know anything about what they're you know how hard it is to play some of this stuff and you're listening to it and you start breaking it down it's just mind-bending like what he's able to do with a guitar and a and and, and sing like i don't know I don't know that there's been anybody with as much talent, like vocally and guitar-wise, and one human being than Ian Thornley. Like it's, it's kind of disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I dig that record um, and excited for where that band. Hopefully, they continue and, and keep doing, uh, keep putting stuff out. The last one I'll mention, I think you guys will have some opinions too. It's the new Red Cross. Um, you know, their sort of pattern now is they disappear for. Uh, a bit of time and then they come back um and you never know what you're going to get with bands that do that but 
I really thought that this was a really cool throwback to, I think, what inspired the band, um, you know, to start. There's a lot of, like, 60s psychedelia influence on this. Uh, there's a lot of, like, 70s glam swagger. Um, the drumming, I think Dale Crover plays most of the drums on the record. And the drumming is fantastic. Just a really fun record from them. The songwriting's, you know, solid, as solid as it's ever been. Um, so I was really happy when that came out that, uh, it really stood up, I think, to the rest of their catalog. Would, did you guys have any thoughts on that one, Tim or Steve? I absolutely do. Yeah. Go for uh, it. So I read about it this, I read about it this morning, actually. Um, did you know that the bookends of the record are covers? I knew one of them was a cover. The opener, the, the opening track is the theme song for a 1968 Peter Sellers movie. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just called the party uh, okay and i watched a clip of it on youtube and it looks insane it was like a hotel lobby that was a giant bubble bath and people are just like <laughs> jumping in and out of this bubble <laughs> bath. <laughs> and uh it was pretty incredible having been as familiar with the song as i was not knowing it was a cover and then hearing this like 1968 i don't even know what you would call it version of the song but uh and then the closing track is um some electronic duo that Stephen mcdonald played bass for for a period of time called sparks so the yeah, last track yeah, yeah. the last track being when do i get to sing my way um hmm. and then that's on, so ballsy to to start and close a record your opening statement and your <sighs> summation of everything with stuff that you haven't even written i like that also Thanks not the nerd. first time they've they've opened a record with a cover they opened 1997's show world with a cover of oh i forget the name of the song it's by the quick um so not the first time that they've done that and then i wanted to mention too that on the track The Party Underground, there are not one, not two, but three guitar solos, and they're um, all played by guests, or um, two of them are played by guest musicians. Somebody, Josh Klinghoffer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, plays <laughs> the guy who them. just The guy who just left the band, that massive announcement that came today yep. that John Frusciante is coming back, and uh, yeah, the guy you just mentioned is departing. How timely. Mm. Oh, I, I had no idea. No shit. Breaking news on Dig Me Out. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Which nobody will know for a week wow. and a half because the podcast is recorded. Uh, and then Buzz Osborne from the Melvins plays one, and then the guy who's currently playing guitar plays the other. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Didn't they tour uh, with the Melvins recently? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Stephen is yeah, in a band with... Um, uh, yeah, Steve well, he plays in the Melvins. Cur right? Like, currently. You never know who's going to be playing in the Melvins. Don't they play an off as well? Yeah. Yeah, Stevens and off. Um but yeah, they um they've been playing with the Melvins a lot, at least on the West Coast especially. Yeah. Uh, but they did they did do a pretty extensive tour um recently. But uh yeah, that record is just such a good time. It it's you know, it's a it's a it is a party. Like the yep. opening track kind of says it all. Like they just really, really have a good time with it. It's, I think it's 11 tracks in 30 minutes or less. Like, it kind of flies by. There's definitely some filler, but it's harmless. Um, 
and I got I've gotten to see them live twice in the past year actually, and they are just such a phenomenal band. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, Red Cross started in 1978 when the McDonald brothers were like nine and 12 or something crazy like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they played, they started as a punk, like a hardcore punk band and they opened for the black, for black flag and the descendants at, you know, around the time that those bands were still kind of just getting started. Uh, Has they the have, core membership remained the same during that period? Or? Outside of the, outside of the brothers. No, no, okay. they've had, they've had some rotating um, musicians that have left and then come back and, so on and so forth um but yeah the brothers have always done it together with with whoever whoever happens to be on board at the time but uh yeah they they just they have such a rich history and they've been around for so long and i actually saw uh the pixies in recent proximity to the most recent time of seeing red cross and i couldn't help but think like here's two bands of guys that are like of similar age and that you know have have each established legacies of their own right. The Pixies obviously being much bigger, but the Pixies just stood there and just looked old and kind of miserable, if you ask me. And Red Cross is just all over the stage, tearing up a small club like they still have something to prove. And I don't know, to me, that goes a long way. Like those guys just, they, like you said, Jay, they kind of come and they disappear for a while and they come back. But when they come back, like you know, they mean it, they're ready yep. to do it. And yep. it sh- shows, I think both recorded and live and they're just a phenomenal band. I can't say enough great and, things and, about them. And my introduction to them was of course the dig me out review of face shifter. So thank you for that guys. Oh, wow. That's oh. awesome. That's it was great. a name I'd always heard and, and knew of them, but I never had taken the time until I uh, happened on that episode. Excellent. And you did a great job with the history the, this, but um, there's a lot more there. There's a documentary up on Kickstarter called Born Innocent that they're um, trying to get funded and out uh, to cover the history of the band, which is uh, oh, no, pretty I was literally just pretty thinking, incredible. I was like, they, they, need, they need a documentary. Yep. It's, it's, um, it's being developed, so hopefully it, gets, it sees the light of day at some point. But um, their story from, from 78 till now, they did a movie with David Cassidy at one point <laughs> in the mid-'80s. Like, they are there's no other story like this band. So that's true. I also read today too, that, um, I believe, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, allegedly Sophia Coppola is, uh, the woman in the mask on the cover of the, uh, I don't know if it's neurotic or third Third eye. Eye? Yeah. Third Third eye. eye, I think. Yeah. Apparently that's Sophia. Okay. All right. Well, Whitney Beeler also mentioned red cross. He said his favorite song on this was fantastico Roberto. Uh, he also mentioned Jimmy Eat World's Surviving. Did anybody else check that out? Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. And and I say this as someone who indulges in Jimmy Eat World largely as a, a guilty pleasure. And I'm coming to reevaluate Jimmy Eat World in the same way that I am coming to reevaluate the Goo Goo Dolls, where I feel like my initial judgments of them as being generic or derivative are perhaps not fair and listening to jimmy world's most recent release i was really cemented and yeah i think i need to um go back and do a reappraisal of their work because there was a reason that i found it catchy as a teenager um and i I shouldn't i shouldn't write them off 
Yeah, the last two records have been really strong. And um, both mixed, by the way, by Ken Andrews. And oh, if you go really? to his, yeah, if you go to his YouTube um, feed, he's now doing like behind the scenes, how I work in the studio type of videos. And he talked about mixing a song on the new Jimmy Eat World record, and how he is given like the tracks and he, how he basically mixes. And it, it's really fascinating all the stuff that he puts into a mix and how he approaches it, and it's really really cool. Um, in addition, Whitney also mentioned the new Bob Rock record, Sunshine Rock, which was brought up also. Oh, Bob Mole, yes. Or Bob Mold, sorry. Not Bob Rock. Yeah, Bob Mold. Yeah. What? Bob Rock solo record? Bob Rock Bo- solo Bob, record. Bob Rock, we could devote an entire other podcast yeah, episode exactly. to his various crimes. Uh, <laughs> hey, now. Did he put the payolas back together? Right. Um, Keith Badge mentioned, he said, I think Sunshine Rock was Bob Mould's best album of the decade. So, and he's I don't out, know that I would agree with that. I mean, he's put but, a string of really good records with this I new mean, lineup. Sil- Silver Age came out in the past decade, and right. that is hands down his... It's like his Quadrophenia. It's brilliant. I'm with you. I think Silver Age is superior. I think this is good, but it's not. It's, it's great, and it's... Um, it, it's almost Bob Mould having this renewed lease on life based on what you're listening. I mean, my understanding is, the, is that it's, it's heavily colored by his move to Berlin, which I think was probably right for him. And it's cheery in a way that Bob Mould is not typically optimistic. So there, there's there's a hence the name Sunshine Rock. There's a sunny optimism to it. Is it is it akin to sugar in any way? Um. I don't see. I love Sugar, and it's very hard for me to characterize anything that Bob Mould has done as a solo artist as even remotely akin to Sugar. Sugar is is for me this totally separate entity. Yeah. Um. But to to me, it's it's a it's almost like a cheerier Silver Age. I I can understand why. Um, the the commenter would have heaped on that kind of praise. It's it's a very strong, very good album. It's one that I think I have to go back to and listen to more times to appreciate its depth. But uh, it it's very good, and um, he's he's also another fantastic live musician whom I've seen many times within the past couple of years. And uh, I I hesitate to see him on his solo electric jaunts that he's going on in 2020, just because for me, solo shows lack a certain oomph, be they solo electric or the dreaded phrase solo acoustic, which, you know, my opinion is that those are the two most horrifying words in the English language that you could hear together. (laughs) But, but he's, he's such a magnetic uh, performer. And if anything, growing older has lent him more confidence and more power. He's sure of himself in a way that I don't think he was during Silver Age. He's he's always an exciting artist to listen to, and I always think he has something valuable to, to say and to put out. Uh, a couple other comments I want to get to from Patreon. Um, Mike Bond said that Juliana Hatfield... And we'll put out two records. Uh, and then also the L7 records were great. And 
um, mentioned Matter Rose had a pretty decent new album out of nowhere. I did not listen to Matter Rose record. Anybody check out the Juliana Hatfield or L7 records? The uh, Juliana, Juliana Hatfield cover records? Is that what yeah. that's about? Well, yeah. she put out a uh, the cover, the police covers, and then she had an actual like regular record called Weird that came out. I think the Olivia Newton-John record came out last year. Uh, okay. All right. I listened to that one um, some, but that was last year. Gotcha. I listened to the L7 record twice, and I, I think it's so utterly boring. Interesting. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan, um, and I was really excited for it, and boy, did it. It just let me down. It feels like um, it feels like a companion piece to my least favorite record in their catalog, which was called the Beauty Process Triple Platinum. I think it was a '97 record, and it, yeah, it's 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 not outwardly bad by any means, but it's. I think Gavin commented on that too, mm-hmm. and I was going to get to that. It, it's yeah. What did he say about it? He said L7 and Bad Religion put out adequate albums that sound exactly like them, so don't really add much to the catalog, but better for them to exist than not. Hmm. So that's like a very backhanded compliment. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. That sounds like something I see. Yeah, I get you, Gavin. Um, Yeah. He also said, um, Tool was okay, happy to have it finally. I still prefer prefer the less proggy version of tool the pixies was pretty good i enjoyed that um most of the rest is a bit ho-hum he he means our list that we put up um of 90 artists seem to be enjoying the nostalgia of just repeating themselves but without the vibrancy and earnest earnestly of earnesty of youth except weezer who just get worse every time (laughs) um yeah there are two weezer records that came out this year the teal record which was the covers record, and then the Black Album, um, which had that horrible Can't Knock the Hustle song on it. Um, I will say, though, I don't know if anybody listened to those records, I, I do like the new single for the Van Weezer album that's coming out next year, which apparently is their return to, like, Maladroit-era riffing. Because it's it's got a Van very Weezer? it's called Van Weezer, like Van Halen, Jesus. but Van Weezer. And apparently, they are rapidly a... running out of reasons to justify their continued existence. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> have you heard the Frozen Two soundtrack? Because they're on that. <laughs> are you oh kidding my God. me? No, really. <laughs> so there is a power ballad in. I, I know this because I have a seven year old daughter, and she wanted to go see the movie. So <laughs> okay, I was one opening ask. weekend. <laughs> And um, there's a power ballad sung by Kristoff, um, the the male character. He's it's called Lost in the Woods because he's literally lost in the woods, and, he, and it's it's actually pretty funny. They do a bunch of stuff that like harkens back to '80s power ballads. Like he grabs a tree branch and sings into it as if he's singing from a mic that's you know from the ceiling. Puts his hand to his ear. Anyway, over the closing credits, Weezer does that song as like the closing credit song, and it's you know a hit for them that's so weird who is supporting these records Uh, i don't know i think it's that same nostalgia that was brought up you know these artists are banking on familiarity and 
they're they're not adding anything new to the conversation. They're recycling the same stuff that makes them catnip to aging millennials or Gen Xers who want to relive their childhood. Right. But the thing that's weird about them, though, is that I don't know of anybody who really liked them that still likes them. So I, I'm still struggling. Like, who, then who are the fans now? Well, is think about next year. Millennials that didn't really experience the Blue Album like right. Gen X did. Yeah. And, I think okay. it's a much younger crowd because yeah. next year they're touring with Blink-182 and Green Day. They're doing a big summer tour next year. Okay. I don't know who the, that's definitely not yeah. aimed at us, us yeah. in terms of like 40, mid 40s. Now, if you're like in your 20s No, it's and 30s, aimed at me. It's aimed at the 31 year olds. Right. And I can't think of anything more insufferable than buying a ticket to see that show. But whatever. I might be an outlier here. I'm the one still listening to Fastball in 2019. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but like Justifiably I said, so, I might add. But like I said, they roped me in with this new single. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. But he's like doing Eddie Van Halen finger tapping and like dive bombs and stuff. Like he's now. I'm just curious because I love Van Halen. Yeah. So right. check it. I would check it. Like there are some riffs where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like I haven't heard. So wait, that. are you telling me? Are you telling me they put out two albums this year? And they're already got a single out for for another 2020 release. Yes. They're becoming Guided by Voices, which, by the way, Guided by <laughs> Voices put out three albums this year. Do you want to know how many songs were on those three combined albums? Take a guess. Yes. Over... 150. No, no. 63. If... I'm going to say 87. Okay, Johnny. 92. Okay, if this was Price is Right, Marissa would win because she didn't go over. It's 68. They put out 68 songs over three records that came out this year. There are bands that haven't written 68 songs in their entire catalog. (laughs) Man, God bless you, Robert Pollard. I mean, the man just keeps going. Does Tool have 68 songs? (laughs) No, no. No. They have seven songs lasting 68 minutes apiece. (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, a couple other albums just real quickly that uh, were mentioned um, from our friend Eric Peterson, who uh, was just on our last episode, actually. Um, he mentioned Driving and Crying. They had a new record out called uh, Live the Life Beautiful. And he said it's a solid record I've listened to more than a few times since its release. And then Lee Presson and the Nails, Last Request. Another solid swing revival album, perfect for the Halloween season. Mm. Interesting. And I think... Oh, Mac, uh, Keith Badge also mentioned Idlewild's new record, just called Interview no, Music. Another one I totally missed. Had no idea that came out. I, Have you I checked it? it out. I, I listened to like the first half of it. Um, it's good. It's They're never going to get back to what I really like about them, yeah. which is their sense of urgency. That yeah. they had on uh, remote album, the remote part and a hundred broken windows. They yeah. there's that's just gone. I mean that's youthful energy that they don't have anymore. <laughs> that youthful Wait, energy died. Yeah, I mean Idle Wild, they're oh, Scottish okay. band. Yeah. Um, but I do want to mention some other records that we haven't gotten to yet. The new Wilco record, I, I liked it enough. It didn't blow me away like it blew away some people. 
Um, but I'll listen to anything that Jeff Tweedy puts out. I liked his solo record actually better that came out last year um, than that one. Um, I did like the new Tom York solo album, Anima, because it just kind of continues in the line of weird bleeps and bloops that he puts out, which I like. Um, I did like the new Sleater Kinney album. I know that was very divisive, but I uh, dug I it. did too. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. That was, the I think, the most polarizing album of the year, without a doubt. I like when bands take left turns in the same way that, you know, you mentioned Bob Rock earlier. Like, Jay and I both love the 1994 Cult self-titled album that doesn't sound anything like the Cult because they took a lot of chances and it mostly paid off. And I like what um, St. Vincent brought to the production on that record. It's very different. And I think that that band could have just kept making the same record over and over if they wanted to. Unfortunately, at, at least with respect to this album, it, it's just been impossible to extricate the sort of bad feelings about Weiss's departure yeah. from people's reaction to the album. And I don't think we're ever going to get a truly like in a vacuum objective. If I didn't know anything about the band members producing this record, how they feel about it really and truly. I, I there there's so much just hurt that surrounds it. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I knew they were putting a record out and, um, I started listening to it and that was one of the thoughts I had was, is the drummer playing on this? <laughs> Cause it sure doesn't sound like it. And well, then, yeah, she, was, she did. I, I don't, I don't know how much they used, but she left after the record was done from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, well, I know. I remember when it came out. I was like, she's still in the band, but I, this doesn't sound like her drumming. Right. Uh, another record that came out this year, uh, Jay, you might have checked it out, is Cursive with Get Fixed. Yes. Yeah, I've been getting into it just recently, the last couple of weeks. It's pretty good. I, yeah. Uh, you know, again, that's another band where I, they reached such a, a high peak in the yep. early 2000s with Domestica and the Ugly Organ. And I really like Happy Hollow quite a bit that it's been hit or miss for me. Um, but I did like the record that came out last year. And then this one is very quickly on its heels. Um, I think I like the last one better. Um, but yeah. there's both quality for sure. It's just good to have them putting music out. I wish uh, Dewey Cole had been able to join us, but um, cause I know he would have talked about the collective soul album blood and he would have given us some, feedback on that i don't i don't did anybody listen to collective soul this year i did not 
Um, Same. And then, Shut up, Tim. <laughs> the, the other one, Violetine, the band that only put out one record, and we reviewed uh, it, Dewey suggested it. <laughs> they put out another record this year. I know. I know. That came through my, like, because obviously, you know, my the algorithm now, I'm listening to this, these albums to review them. So, like, this must be the biggest Violetine fan in all of Austin. So, we got to make sure they know about the new record. So, like, it came through my recommendation thing uh, through Apple Music. And I'm like, what? How is this possible? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was shocked. Is it, it, it the, the title, though, kind of implies that maybe it's a like a lost record or something? I don't know. It's because it's yeah, called I was the thinking one that the never same came thing. out. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I think that's what it's called. I think that's why yeah. it's called that. Yep. Um, a but, couple other. What were you gonna say? It's pretty good. I mean, I I liked it. I liked the the first record we reviewed, and uh, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, some other ones that came out this year. Did anybody check out the new Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds album, Ghostine? Yeah, I gave it a run through. It's uh, boy, it, it's a tough listen. In all honesty. Um, there's just no drums to be found anywhere. It's it's very atmospheric, very ethereal. Um, a heavy record. I saw I saw Nick on the um, the kind of the question and answer tour uh, that he just did recently, and um, he's maybe the most incredible performer I've ever seen live. But uh, this record is uh, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I like the last record, Skeleton Key, but yeah, this beautiful. One. Yeah. Um, did anybody check out the new Bruce Springsteen album, Western Stars? I did. What did you think? Uh, I liked it. It's it's different. It's got this, like, uh, I don't know what the genre is, but it's kind of got this sweeping, like, American documentary, <laughs> like, feel to the back of it. Like, you feel like you're, I don't know, watching a Ken Burns documentary about America <laughs> or something. Uh, there's. I think there's a live version of it too. Am I right? Well, there's a whole documentary that goes along with it. So, but I think he does. Uh, I think he there's a there was a release of a live performance of it. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was it was uh, pretty good and a little twist for him. You know, it's not your typical E Street Band type of record, but uh, it has it's kind of its own sound and own place. I think in his catalog. Any other records that I did not mention yet that people want to uh, chime in with? Yeah, I want to go with two. Uh, one would be uh, Purple Mountains, uh, David Berman's uh, parting shot before he, he committed suicide shortly after its release. It's an incredible record. Of course, he had retired from music in 2009, came back like almost out of nowhere, Um the record is incredibly strong and incredibly sad. Like it really does give you the insight into his his mindset over the last number of years. His marriage has broken down. He struggled with depression, um, all the typical um, uh, you know sad stories that we're used to. But it's an incredible parting shot from him and a, a beautiful record. And uh, Neil Young's Colorado is, is a great comeback from Crazy Horse. Uh, he's got one of the best guitar tones around. Uh, I, I think it's an inspired effort, and I hope they tour behind it next year. I am a big Neil Young fan. Yeah, he's one of the many. Did not check that out yet, so yeah. I will. I promise. 
he's one of the uh, guest artists on the uh, Echo in the Valley soundtrack, and uh, he does a incredible guitar uh, solo through one of the songs. Mm-hmm. And you know right away, like, uh, oh, Neil Young's on this record, and to know that from a guitar solo kind of says a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Unless, just, it's it's yeah. so instantly identifiable. It's incredible. Yeah. So, Marissa, you mentioned reevaluating Jimmy Eat World and the Goo Goo Dolls. Did you check out the new Goo Goo Dolls album, Miracle Pill? No, but that's definitely going to be a part of my re-exploration of the band. Absolutely. I probably should do some reevaluating because I've basically dropped off since Dizzy Up the Girl. I imagine Dizzy Up the Girl, yeah, yeah, which is... And, you know, there there are more to be than a sort of budget replacements you know yeah a, a poppier more more mom-friendly replacements my mother loves the goo goo doll so you know maybe <laughs> that was part of what what inspired my reluctant attraction for so many years but now yeah re-examining the work that they did um the the old stuff at the very least i haven't i have to admit i have not listened to any recent goo goo dolls but uh it's it's solid melodic stuff and you know i i must share a brain with johnny bresnick because the stuff that he listens to and that inspires him is precisely the kind of music that uh i've been heavily invested in for years namely 70s and 80s power pop like uh the plimsolls or the smithereens he's big fans of that uh he's he's a big fan of that type of music and so um you know what? What inspires him is likewise what inspires me. I shouldn't write him off so quickly. Right. Yeah. Also, I should not because they're my hometown band. So. Yeah. You, you know, you, if, as Buffalo resident, you kind of have to root for the home yeah. team a little yeah. bit, right? Exactly. Another album, I don't know if it's been brought up in any of the comments that was released in 2019, but the artist was Uncle's The Road Part 2, which was the second uh, second release in a paired set with The Road Part 1. And I don't know if anyone has managed to listen to that. I'm a huge Uncle fan. Uh, aside from rock music, my second love is electronic music. And I'm fascinated by what James Lavelle does and how he functions almost like a a film director or a producer where he is setting a stage and setting a a story and a mood and really allowing this revolving door of personally selected musicians and, and contributors to bring his idea to life. And I think that this most recent 
uh, the road part two lost highway is one of his most nuanced and mature and interesting things that he's done. And it's, I, both of those releases, the first and the second have been, um, it, it took like nine or 10 years for him to get those albums out. I remember waiting every year since 2010 for an uncle release. And this was his sort of magnum opus that he dropped finally after a very long wait. Yeah. Great record. Uh, great band. I, I have listened to everything they've ever put out. So I'm totally on board with you. I kind of, I, I think of uncle as like the desert sessions for electronic bands. Like Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's awesome also, you artists. know, there's a direct connection to Josh. Oh yeah, well, exactly. So. Yeah, but he's got he gets such interesting players and and vocalists and stuff to contribute that it's it's just a fascinating project. Um, yeah, and and d- despite so, all uh, those people coming in, he just remains. Uncle is always fundamentally itself. It's they're so rec- yeah recognizable. What's the direct connection? Um, they have recorded together, Uncle and Josh Ami, and and. He's remixed Queens of the Stone Age extensively. Josh Ami is guest sung on a number of Uncle tracks, um, most of which I think were on War Stories, which was sort of the Uncle Does Rock and Roll record. Every, every album they do is, is Uncle trying out a different genre. The first was like Uncle Does Electronica, then it was Uncle Does Trip Hop, then it's Uncle Does Rock and Roll, then it's Uncle Does Psychedelia. So yep. each one has its own signature. Yeah, there's some that I mean, the first record that people probably would know is the um, I, I'm, dr- I'm blanking on the name of the record, but it has Tom York is on it. He sings. Yeah, science fiction. Yeah. Rabbit in your headlights is the song. And then Richard Ashcroft is on that record. And it's very much, you know, of the 90s. Britpop meets electronica. It's a very cool record. That was right. That was my introduction. And why the only uncle. The only uncle track I know is with uh, Ian Asbury. Yep, that one's good too. Yeah, I'll have to look more into that. Um, let's see. I got through all the comments. I'm surprised that. Well, you know what? We should have. I should have bugged Eric Grubbs because American Football put out their third record this year, mm. and uh, he would have sure, surely oh, talked to us right. about that. Um, speaking of Desert Sessions and Uncle, Mark Lanigan put out a new record this year. Somebody's knocking. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, we had new records from, well, we had the last record from the Cranberries after the passing of Dolores O'Riordan. Um, I did not check that out. Not, not the biggest Cranberries fan, but, uh, good to know they put out a new record. Um, there was a lot of, uh... A lot of solo records from folk, like Thurston Moore put out a record. Perry Farrell put out a record. Um, Stephen Melkmus put out his, I guess it was an electronic record. It's called Groove Denied. Did not check that out, but I remember when it was coming out. Um, Mike Patton put out a solo record this year. A.A. Bondi from Verbena, he had a record out this year. Madonna had a record out with this year. Anybody checked out Madonna? No? Okay. Can't believe nobody brought up Refused. That's one that's still on my list, but... Uh, Did you listen? I haven't yet, no. 
I did not like the original reunion record so much that I honestly like without somebody coming to me with a with a appraisal like a a reigning endorsement i don't think i'll i don't think i'll even bother it's hard to top what they did with the shape of punk to come (laughs) i mean it's such a landmark record and they took so much time off it's yeah maybe if they would have quickly followed it up it would have kind of diffused it and they would be able to like redefine themselves because that hung out there for so long it just created this i don't know i guess legacy that you can't ever top right I think they're and gonna then they you know aren't they? they made the whole sorry just gonna say that they're gonna tour with the hives next year oh the hives are touring next year Excellent. oh my god that's that's a bucket list item for me yeah that's an interesting combo i mean yeah. i guess they're other than both being well they used to didn't they share members at one point or am I thinking of another band? No, I'm thinking of uh, not that band. There's another Swedish band that the, some of the members of the Hives were in. Uh, Johnny, tell us, did you listen to the new Tea Party EP? Uh, pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. No. Uh, and then finally to wrap up, Imperfect Circle by Hootie and the Blowfish. Tell me, everyone, your favorite track from Imperfect Circle. So are they like a country band now? Is that yes. where that goes? Okay. Well, because Darius Rucker did the whole transition to being a country artist. Yeah. And so. Well, and I mean, country became whatever. It's the whatever the whatever rock and roll is now. Like, like from a pop standpoint. Rock and roll doesn't exist from a pop standpoint. Rock and roll is jazz, essentially. Well, no, I mean, like <laughs> it's the, a subgenre. The, the spot it used to uh, occupy is right. now occupied by country music. Right. Also, uh, anybody check out the new 311 album, Voyager? Anyone? Oh, dear. Anyone? Nope. Korn's new echo album? The Nothing? What? That out? I'm going to... I'm just, I'm not make. I'm, I'm going to start making up records and see if you guys can figure <laughs> out which is the actual record and which one is the... Did anybody check out Nirvana's new record, uh, Nirvana 4? <laughs> How about the violent fans? Best thing I heard all year. There you go. There you go. Uh, there was a ton more. Dandy Warhols had a new record. Morrissey had a covers album. That Dog put out a new record. The Muffs put out their final record before um, the passing of Kim Shattuck. Um, I'm probably pronounced her name, name wrong because I pronounced everybody's name wrong. Uh, there were new albums from Queensryche, Tesla, and Dream Theater. There was new albums from the Cherry Pop and Daddies. And... I love the Cherry Pop and Daddies. That's my weird fixation. Aside from Fastball, though, I haven't listened to that one. And wait, did the the Hold Steady released a record uh, this yeah. year, didn't and they? Craig, Craig Finn put out a solo record as well. They're back. Uh, the Hold Steady, the Hold Steady started in the 2000s. Yes, they? but or, they, or their connection 99? is Craig Finn to was lifter in lifter puller, puller yeah. in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, also, so albums, so so they get grandfathered in. They do. They do get grandfathered in. <laughs> It's called Thrashing Through the Passion. It's pretty good. It yeah, was it fantastic. Good. Yeah. I love that album. Um, there were new records from Steve Earle and the Dukes. Uh, Richard Howley from previously from the Long Pigs. He's had a number of solo records since uh, he left them. Kim Gordon had a solo record out this year. No re- no home record or home no record. I don't know. I don't know which way she's pronouncing that. Uh, Chemical Brothers had a new record. 
Pedro, Fantastic. Pedro the Lion, Tinder Sticks, Brian Adams, White Snake, Liam Gallagher, KMFDM, Lagwagon, Royal Trucks, their first record in a long time. Um, Glenn Hansard and Mercury Rev had a uh, record out at Brian Jonestown Massacre. Shell Crow had a new record. My God. Huh. Uh, News to me. DJ Shadow, Violent Femmes, Lemonheads, Gang of Four, Sleeper, Ian Brown from the Stone Roses, Joe Henry, <sighs> Stereophonics, Third Eye Blind. <laughs> uh, Did you Guster. listen to Stereophonics yet, Tim? I have not. They're so hit and miss for me. Yeah, that's they're so thinking. not worth listening to these days anymore. <laughs> okay, that's why I'm asking. The last song I liked by them was Dakota, which is like 15 years ago. Yeah, that um, was a great album. Yeah, yeah. And then Imperial Teen, The Living End, and uh, Flaming Lips. All a bunch I, of new records. I did. Uh, I did. I do like the Patriot of Lion, Phoenix, and The Living End's Wonder Bar. They're both solid. Oh. So the one that I listened from that list. Excellent. All right. Everyone Can I can I cheat? Can I cheat real quick and How just mention cheat? my album of the year? Okay, go ahead. Because if go I ahead. wanted to do if I wanted to submit a dig me out review of a Yeah Yeah Yeah's album, maybe you would grant me the exception that you've granted a few early two thousands albums. Well And I just want to mention Karen oh, <laughs> what? Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in after. Uh, I just want to mention the Karen O and Danger Mouse album, Lux Prima, is just utterly fantastic, and I urge everyone to go check it out. Huh. That's all I'll say on that. And I saw him perform it live in L.A., and it was, it was unreal. Easily one of my top five performances, concerts of all time. So here's the issue with 2000s albums. If the ones that we have done, such as um, the Marvelous Three record, they had an album out in the '90s. However, we did a 2000 record, but they qualified. Which one did? Which one did you do? Ready, Sex, Go. Yes. Yes. One of the one of the best. And yeah, yeah, yes. Don't have any material out in the '90s. It's true, but what about what about? And I challenge, I challenge you. What about? uh, (laughs) I love this super trans, super transatlantics shuttlecock or whatever it was called. The lead singer (laughs) was in the Jesus was in um. What was the name of that band he was in? Saigon Kick. Saigon Kick. Saigon Kick. Ah, okay. Okay. We so Stephen, can you prove that anyone? The IAS made music in the 90s. Right. No, I was desperately trying to <laughs> earlier today. Is that a, it's a 2000 record? Their first album the came year? out in 2001. Oh, oh, 2001. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's not even, it's not. I, I mean, was trying to help you out, Stephen, but 2001. Maybe, I mean, maybe if Nick Zinner and Karen O <laughs> moved to New was, York in 1999, where they were <laughs> thus inspired and. Became a huge part of the music scene there. According to Wikipedia, the band didn't even form until 2000. Oh, this so whole gets over. We can't even say that like demos were recorded in the 90s because they didn't even form until 2000. <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, that's a whammy on that, on the yeah, 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 as being a part of, uh, of this ever. However, if, uh, you know, 
in the future, if we if our, we raise our Patreon numbers, we might kick off Dig Me Out 2000s to, to do a parallel oh with our Dig Me Out 80s. We're going to have to get our kids involved to, to carry forward all these reviews. I know. We still have a lot of 90s records to do. I know. I know. Zora and Nina will be reviewing <laughs> 90s albums. Oh. That'll be fun. They'll be they'll be discussing uh, Billie Eilish and and uh, and I don't even know uh, who who's who's big. <laughs> who makes music? Who makes music? These you, oh, you know who my daughter likes is Panic at the Disco. She likes that High Hope song. Yep. So uh, so I've done right. something wrong. Oh. <laughs> I have failed as a parent. I'm sorry. Uh thank you. To this group. This was a lot of fun. We covered so much material on this. And thanks to all our patrons as well who, who wrote in on the website. Um, DMO Union and digmeoutunion.com is where you can go to find that. Um, Steven, what, I know you're in a new band now. What's, what's up with that? Uh, it's called Threadpuller. We just have a, a demo that we put up on Bandcamp. We've been doing it for quite a while. We, we move at a snail's pace. Um, but it's fun. It's um, some. It's it's reminiscent of bands like uh, The Replacements, uh, meets Hot Water Music, and Planes Mistaken for Stars. Somewhere in there, uh, very very gritty vocals, um, lots of distortion, loud. Well, I like those might references. Be a, might be of interest. Uh, we're going to try to record an album next year, um, so we'll see how that goes. And I but see that's you have fun, a- that. You have a Canadian in the band. I yeah, we do have a Canadian in the band. And everybody's so getting along. <laughs> yeah. Does he does he flaunt his his cheap health care and his? <laughs> no, but he what? but he does apologize a lot. Oh okay. <laughs> We're very good at that. Does he does he does he mock our our uh, subpar maple syrup down here? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, let's see. This is why I thought you guys would have come to blows by now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He has definitely introduced me to some really great bands though. Yes. One called the tragically hip. I'm glad you found them out finally. Uh, uh, speaking of, uh, Johnny Hooper, thank you. Uh, what's the website people should go to read about the stuff that you write about? Yeah, it's called Chorus vs. Chorus, and uh, news, reviews, and interviews. We've got a Pixies review going up this week, and uh, Best of List coming up next week. And you can find us on uh, Instagram at uh, Chorus vs. Chorus, and Twitter at Chorus B Chorus. Excellent. Uh, Marissa, do you have anything you would like to plug? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I talk endlessly about music um, on Facebook and, and uh, on Twitter and and all social media platforms. Um, and I keep a running catalog of all the shows that I go to. I, I hit as many live shows as I possibly can per year. I just broke 40 for 2019, Whoa. Um, which is a lot to some people, like just categorically insane to some people and amateur status to others, to, to many of the people I attend shows with. But um, that is on instagram and it's one three the number 13 ux 
B-A-U-M at Instagram. So if you're interested in seeing all the live shows I go to and the Instagram story recaps I do, that's all on there. That is a confusing, is that hexadecimal? Is What is that title that you're using? <laughs> no, it's 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 my last name, Buxbaum, oh, okay. but with the B as a one and a three. Oh, got it. Okay. But you can also uh, Mar- just search. You, you can also just search my name, Marissa Buxbaum, Marissa with one S. Awesome. Marissa, I just wanted to. Wow. I just wanted to say I wanted to interject real quick that when you were talking about fastball, I felt like I was hearing an echo of myself talk about Local H. So. Oh, and Local H is such a great, great band, and I, I hope you're passionate about them as passionate about them as I am about fastball. One hundred percent, I am, and I'm going to dive into fastball because of your endorsing passion. Thank you. That means so much to me. And I'm excited to see Local H uh, on tour with um, Soul Asylum next year. Totally oh, yeah, stoked. that's happening. That's happening. Wow, that'll be an interesting show. I don't think anybody's original in Soul Asylum except for Dave Perner. Are they putting another record out? I would guess um, that they're that's a, tour. That's a good question. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> I know you didn't like the last one, Jay. Didn't we cover them in the in the last uh, time we we did this? Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I we had a I'll very that. You can go. very big disagreement about that record. So. You can go back to the archives and dig that one up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everyone. This was awesome. Um, I want to remind everyone: Patreon is where you go to support the podcast. And uh, you can leave comments and we'll talk about them on the air just like we did here. And you can vote in polls and you can uh, join us at different levels for different things like uh, album reviews and voting in uh, roundtables and that kind of stuff. And then uh, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. There's only one more episode left for 2019. And then we hit year number 10. I'm crazy amazing <laughs> uh we just keep showing up and they keep letting us do it so that's what's that's what that's how it goes so for jay i'm tim we're out and we will be back next week with another episode of dig me out thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. It's